0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org slash connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your what? Heart. On your hearts. So impress them on who? On your children. That is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and take a seat everyone at all campuses. Let me start off today by sharing some big, big news about our family because you may recall that several months ago, uh, my wife and I announced that we were having our first child. And uh, yeah, and uh, I am happy to announce that on January 31st, she was born. Her name is Camila, and there she is. Oh man, we're so in love. She's so cute. There you go. <laughs> And uh, I got to tell you, you know, I, I never expected how much I would love changing poopy diapers. You know, I got my little technique and everything. It's awesome. But thank you so much for all your love and support during this time. And we're just really grateful for our church family during this season. And I remember the first time that I was in the hospital when she was born and I was just holding her in my little, ar- in my arms. She was so, you know, small and gentle. I just, I just felt so imperfect right at that moment. You know, at that moment, I, you know, I didn't even know how to change a diaper. I didn't know how to burp her. I didn't know the whole swaddling thing. Much less, I didn't know how to raise a child. And so at that point, I knew that I needed all the guidance and all the advice I could get. And so I've always heard people talk about parenting books and parenting books. So I decided to go on Amazon and check what they had available. And to my surprise, there, was over, there are over 60,000 Different parenting books. Can you believe that? Over 60,000. And what, I, what was noticeable was that a lot of these books, they all focus on the behavior of your child, on the behavior. In fact, take a look at some of the samples that I ran into when I was online. Check out this one. Get the what? The behavior you want without being the parent you hate. Right? Nobody wants to be hated as a parent. Check this next one out. Parenting a child with a what? Behavior problem. And, and, and take a look. There's a second edition. I guess kids are getting worse day by day. we got to revise this thing. we got to figure things out. Another one is parenting with positive what? Behavior support, a practical guide to resolving your child's difficult behavior. I like this title. Just ignore it. Ignore that behavior, how selectively looking the other way can decrease behavioral problems and increase parental parenting satisfaction. And this last one I'm tempted to read with Camila lately, the tantrum survival guy. She's already throwing some little tantrums. And so these are just some samples of some of the books that you would find online. But what is evident is that all these authors are simply focusing on analyzing the behavior of children and the main, t- the main thrust, the main content of this book, of, the, of all these books, is giving you tactics on how to get your child to behave a certain way. Now, folks, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today. Because what an image, what an image of how many parents spend their life with their children All they do is focus on the behavior, whether it's good or bad. But here's what's the sad part about the whole situation. So many of these parents, they seek out guidance and advice from all these human authors who, get this, they are imperfect just like they are. But they never bother to look to the author of life our Heavenly Father, who's perfect, to see how He would want us to raise our children. And the truth of the matter is our Heavenly Father has a very specific way that He wants us to raise our children. See, He doesn't want you to focus so much on the external behavior of, their, of, our, of our children, but rather He wants us to focus on the internal heart in fact, the big idea, the big takeaway from this weekend is this. God wants parents to focus on, beha- on, on the heart instead on the behavior of their children. Now, you may be sitting here at one of our campuses and you may be thinking, Well, Pastor, I, cannot un- I kind of understand what you mean by heart, but how exactly can I focus on the heart of my child? And, and how do I know? If I'm doing it effectively, well, we're going to find out from Deuteronomy chapter 6, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and you can follow along in our listening guides or in, the, um, in, the, or in our apps. Be sure to be downloading your apps. We got all the sermon notes and scriptures and a bunch of cool features, so be sure to, to have your apps as well. But with that in mind, I have three thoughts for us today on how we can raise our children the way that God wants us to. And here's point number one, which I said before, a child's heart, if you're taking notes, should be the focus of parenting and not their behavior. Now before we dive into the passage for today, let me just give us a quick background of where we're at in this juncture of Scripture, because we see here that Moses has led the, the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of Egyptian slavery, and now they've been wandering in, in the wilderness, on the wilderness for about 40 years. And after those 40 years has ended, it was time for them to enter into this land that God had for them. But before they entered into the land, God wanted to remind them of his truth and His commandments. And so the book of Deuteronomy really talks about this whole scene where Moses gathers over a million people, the people of Israel, and he reminds them of God's truth and his commandments. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the the chapter that focuses on how to raise our children. And so listen to what it says in verse 4. It says this, it says, so hear, O Israel, or hear, O Christ fellowship, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Therefore, love the Lord with your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your what? On your hearts, on your hearts. Folks, notice that God always leads with the hearts, always focuses on the hearts and not so much on behavior. Because And the reason for that is because all of our behavior and everything that you've ever done in your life is simply a reflection of your heart, is a symptom of what's happening inside of your heart. So when your Heavenly Father, when He looks at you, His son, His daughter, He's not so concerned with what's happening on the outside, but He looks through all those actions and He looks at what's going on in your heart. And so in the same way, he wants you to follow his example. And when you look at your children, to also look at their hearts. In fact, that's why the Lord says in the next verse, listen to what it says. It says this. So these commandments that I give you you today are to be on your hearts. So impress them on who? On your children, specifically on the heart of your children. Now the moment that many parents hear and read that verse, here's the mistake that many parents make. And it's that they go into what we call defensive parenting. And what defensive parenting does is that it seeks to protect the hearts of our children. In fact, if you're taking notes, um, letter A. Defensive parenting focuses on protecting a child's heart. See, there is a prevalent thought in society today that our children's hearts are innocent and pure, and that it is your responsibility and my responsibility as parents to do whatever we can to keep our children's hearts by being corrupted by this world. And so because of that, we spend the majority, so many of us spend the majority of our time playing defense with the heart of our children. In fact, let me just give you a quick visual of what I mean by, by defensive parenting. All right? And for that, I'm going to ask two very special people to come out. There we go, guys. Give it up for them. So, they're so cute. So this is Jeremiah, and he is from the Coral Gables campus, and this is Callan from the Miami Springs campus. Thank you guys for being such good sports. Well, you know, and so the reality is that they just represent how we see our children, right? Whether they're little or middle schoolers or even high schools. Listen, in our eyes, many of us see our children just like they are with a, with a pure heart. With, that's right, with a, with a pure heart. And so, but the issue is that as time starts off, right, and continues, different things from this world start encroaching in. We got Netflix coming, right, and you're playing defense and you got to put those passwords and they cannot see those videos, no way. And the Xbox and the Fortnite is coming. Those chat rooms, no way, you're not going to be talking to nobody. And the Instagram, no, those live feeds, you can't be watching that. Folks, gluten we got to protect our children from gluten. They're, oh, gosh. And so you're playing defense with gluten. And here's what happens. Little by little, they get a little older, and the music. Oh, no, you're not listening to, oh, you're not listening to that music. Keep that away. That friend of yours, keep them away, those drugs. And, folks, isn't this what we do? Our entire life is consumed playing defense, protecting our children, our pure hearts. And folks, the reason that we are so consumed at times with this is because we're under the illusion that our children's hearts are pure. And the moment that our children start behaving a certain way, because they're pure, it cannot be them. Oh, no. It has to be something that God passed you, has corrupted them, and then now they're acting a certain way. But folks, when we look at the Word of God, we see something different. We see that every child is not born with a pure heart. They're born with a sinful heart. See, there's, there's a misconception that kids become sinful whenever they end up sinning in life. But the truth of the matter is what Scripture shows us is that they end up sinning because they're already born with a sinful heart. Nature. In fact, listen to what King David said in all of his wisdom, not only about his heart, but the hearts of all of us. Listen to what he says. He says, surely I was sinful at what? At what? At birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So even from the womb, listen, we are because because we're from our parents, we already have a sinful nature. And so here's what I want us to understand, and don't miss this. Because of your, the heart of your child is not pure that needs protecting. The heart of your child is sinful that needs transformation. So instead of focusing so much on just playing defense, listen, let's play offense with the heart of our children. In fact, if you're taking notes, a letter B, offensive parenting focuses on transforming a child's heart. Now, church family, don't get me wrong because as parents, I know that we are responsible from keeping all these things away from our children. Listen, you're, you do it. I'll, I'll do it. You know, we all have that responsibility to, you know, protect our children from certain things. But never lose sight of where God wants you to spend the primary focus in your life. See, the truth of the matter, folks, is that we know that we will, meet, we will not be able to protect them from forever, right? Listen, things are going to c- come at them that we're not aware of at school, even when they get older. But f- that for the time that we have them with us, close to us, folks, let's, let's be sure that not, we're not expending all of our energy def- protecting them, playing defense, but that we focus on their heart so that when they get older, and they they encounter the real world, they will be able to resist all that and live lives that honor God. Amen, family? So let's play offense. Guys, thank you so much. You guys did awesome. You guys did awesome. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I, uh, after after Camila was born, when we were in the hospital, and after they weighed her and cleaned her, they put her on, Ash, on Ashley, and we were just spending some time together. When the doctors and nurses left, you know the first thing that we did as a couple? We prayed over our child. The first moment we had in private with her, we put our hands over her, and we first thanked the Lord for her life. But then we prayed for her salvation right there. Because even though she looks, she was beautiful and innocent, listen, we know the reality and so our prayer was that one day she would grow up and recognize that she was a sinner, that she's a sinner just like all of us, and that she needs to save and she would put her trust in Jesus Christ, and that she would experience the life that God has for her and spend the rest of her life knowing her Savior and spend eternity with us. See, right from the outset, of family, we knew we had to play offense with the heart of our child. See, the reason so many kids, when they get a little older, middle school or high school or even in college, they, they walk away from the Lord or from church, really, is because too much time was spent shielding them from the things of this world, but not enough time focusing on the transforming that child's heart. And so when they got exposed to the real world, guess what? Since their heart was never transformed, they just started giving in into the things of this life. And so, I do not think it's a church problem. You know, I think there's a lot of debate that what's the church not doing that their kids kids are walking away. Listen, I really believe it's more of a parenting problem. Because parents are more concerned about playing defense with their child rather than playing offense with their heart. And so, the big question is okay, so, Pastor, how do you play offense then? How do you play off, how do you offensive parent? Well, if you're taking those big number two, Offensive parenting impresses the gospel, impresses the gospel. In fact, let's go back to that verse. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, right? We just looked at that. So what's the next word? Impress them on your children. Now, folks, circle the word impress right there in your listening guides or in your Bible. Circle the word impress. Because the word "impress" in the original Hebrew, you know, the Bible was re- first written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated into different languages. Well, the word here for "impress" in the Hebrew is the word shanan, shanan. Can we say shanan together? Shanon. Shana. And the word shanan simply means to sharpen, Amen. to sharpen. Now, this word shanan is used about nine times throughout the Old Testament and it's always used... Of to describe someone sharpening an arrow or sharpening a sword. But this is the only place that the word Shanon is used to describe our child's heart, our children. And so the imagery is that us as parents, we must Shanon into the hearts, impress, pierce into the heart of our children the truth of God. And so the question then is, okay, so how do you impress the gospel into your heart? Well, the first obvious step is that we have to be teaching our children God's truth. See, there has to be moments in our life, listen, that we intentionally, whether in formal settings or informal, that we teach them what God says, the truth of God. Unfortunately, I really believe in this area, many parents, if I could be honest, become a little lazy in this area because they delegate this responsibility either to church, yeah, I'm going to take my kid to church so they learn about God, or here's a big one lately, I'm going to put my child in a Christian school so they can learn about God. But folks, that is not the way that God designed it. God has entrusted you. The primary responsibility of teaching your children about God. And folks, listen, even though that's extremely important, the rest of our time together today, I'm not going to focus so much on how to teach God's word, but I want to I wanna go over how we impress the gospel by the way that we live our lives, by our actions, by the way that we live our lives. And the first way that we impress the gospel by the way we live our life is by what we treasure, by what we treasure. In fact, if you're taking notes, letter A is by what you treasure. You know, folks, the reality, we need to remember as parents that the Christian faith is oftentimes even more caught than taught. And so whatever they see you treasure in your life, whatever your highest treasure, guess what? Your children will also adopt Those treasures for themselves that's why you see so many children following their father's and mother's footsteps and even making the same mistakes they made why because they whatever they saw their dad their mom treasure more than anything else they ended up doing themselves and so you need to come to a point in your life that you ask yourself this question right if i were to bring up your little one or your middle schooler or your high school right High schooler, you bring them up here, they're looking all nice and cute. You love your child. And I ask them this specific question. And I say, and I ask them, in your opinion, what does mommy, what does daddy, what do they treasure more than anything else in this world? And I grab that microphone with everyone watching at all campuses, and I give that microphone to your child what would they say about you? You know they're going to say the truth, right? For some of us, they say, well, I think mommy and daddy, I think what they treasure is their their job, their career. You know, they're always at work. So I guess mommy and daddy just really treasure that. Well, you know, maybe mommy and they treasure money. You know, they're always talking about money, fighting about money, always looking at bank accounts, and so it, they must treasure that above anything else. Maybe for you, your child would say, well, I think mommy and daddy treasure their phone. Always looking online, always shopping, looking at blogs. I mean, they love their phone. They're always on it. Therefore, that's what, that must be what they treasure the most in their life. Or maybe it's for you, as a sports team. Or a hobby, or whatever the case may be. Now, some children, if you ask them that question, here's what they would say they would say, Well, I think, I think mommy and daddy, well, I think they just treasure me. I think I'm their highest treasure. Can I tell you, it sounds good to hear as parents that, but can I remind us how harmful that is for our children? Listen, the worst thing that you can do as a parent. It's to give your child the impression that you are—they are your highest treasure. Listen, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with loving your child and treasuring them. Listen, we all love our children. We will do anything for them. But it can never be to the point that we treasure them above Christ, above our Lord. Because the moment, listen, the moment that they sense that we that that we treasure them more than anything else, including God Himself. They grew up to be self-centered children who think that the world revolves around them, including God himself. Why? Because they're the highest treasure. So we got to be careful of what in our hearts, what we treasure the most. It needs to be the Lord Almighty. He is our God. He is our Savior. Now, folks, not only do we impress a gospel with what you treasure but we also impress a gospel with our marriage with our marriage in fact if you're taking notes letter b you impress a gospel through your marriage see we've taught here before that god has designed marriage to be a reflection of the relationship between christ and the church Right? The, the the husband follows the example of Christ as he loves and he sacrificed himself for his wife, and the wives follow the example of the church as they honor and follow the lead of their husbands. But folks, can I remind us that even when our marriages are imperfect and we go through difficult seasons in our life, that does not mean that we cannot impress the gospel in those moments. See, in the moments where, we're, where it's difficult and there's arguments, see, the way that you maintain respect for each other, the way that you honor each other, the way that you forgive each other, the way that you strive for reconciliation. Listen, sometimes we impress the gospel into our children during more during the hard times in our marriage than even the good times in our marriage. Why? Because they're seeing the gospel being played out. And so we have to be always mindful that our children are always watching Especially when we go through tough seasons. And so, the goal for us as parents should be that when we bring our children to church and they're at CF kids or CF students and they're hearing God's word being taught, that to them, this is not new because mommy and daddy already taught me this. I've heard this before, but I've seen it played out in their marriage. I've lived it, I've seen it. And so, that should be the goal as parents. And folks, as we're on the topic of marriage, let me just say something I think it's worth mentioning that I see this even more and more prevalent in our society today in church. If you want to be good parents as a couple, if you want to raise your children the right way, then prioritize, make sure that you are prioritizing your marriage relationship Above your parenting relationship. Now folks, let me say that again. Because for some of us, that may may be a little shock. If you want to be the parents that God is calling you to be, be sure that you are prioritizing your marriage above your parenting relationship. Because what your children need from you as a married couple is not the, what they need the most. is not on a trip to Disney. It's not a new iPhone. It's not a new toy. It's not new clothes. It's not a day at the park. Listen, what your children need the most from you as a married couple is to see a marriage that honors the Lord and that is centered around Christ. Amen? Listen, that is what our children need to see from married couples the most. That's what they need. You know, this past week, Dr. Bob Barnes, who is a renowned uh, parenting and marriage uh, pastor here, uh, expert here in South Florida, great, great man of God. He came to speak to our staff this week. And, folks, he said something that really just impacted me. Listen to what he said. He said, many spouses... Are having extramarital affairs with their children. And folks, what he means by that is that the moment couples have children, all their focus, all their affection, all their attention now is placed on the children, and they neglect their spouse. And they may think they may be doing good for those children, but ironically, they are doing a disservice to them because what they need the most is to see a healthy marriage that's centered around Christ. So be sure that you're prioritizing that. So church, listen, not only do you impress the gospel by your, what you treasure, your marriage, but also by the way you serve. In fact, if you're taking notes, Letter C is by the way that you serve. By the way that you serve. You know, the Lord tells us that he did not come to this world to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so a critical part of who we are as as believers, as followers of Christ, is that we are to serve God and serve other people. See, that is why we at Christ Fellowship, we have created different ministries like see if kids, see if students worship, production, guest services, all these different ministries. Because listen, serving your Lord, serving other people is, a, is healthy for your soul. You need it as a believer in Christ. You need to walk in obedience. But folks, you know who else needs to see you serve? It's your children. It's healthy for their soul to see their parents living out the gospel Listen, don't underestimate on Sunday mornings when you put on your CF Kids shirt to come volunteering or your your, your name tag or whatever the case may be. Listen, your children are seeing you. They recognize, wow, mom and dad care, love God so much, they want to serve him. You know, growing up, I always remember that my mom was always involved at church she was always willing to serve in any way possible. We're seeing, her, seeing her sing in the choir at times. And even to this day, even though she's wrestling through illnesses and different things, what's amazing is she always still serving the Lord faithfully every single weekend. And guest services. And during the week, she serves in leading a small group and counseling women. Listen, and As she served all her life, listen, that impressed the gospel into my heart. See, one of the reasons that I am who I am today as a man of God, listen, it's not, it's partly due to my mom. And I love serving God, I love serving His people because I followed the example that she put for me. So every time she served us, she was impressing that gospel into my heart. And folks, not only do we, do we impress by our marriage, or so we treasure, or way we serve, but letter D, by the way you give. By the way you give. You know, in the church that I grew up in, uh, we, don't, we, do, we, we used to give our tithe and our offerings a little different than we do here at Christ Fellowship. Here we just pass a bucket around, right? But here, but in my old church, the way we used to do it was that they had boxes at the front of the stage, right? They had boxes at the front of the stage. And every single weekend, there was a specific song that they would play and people would get out of their seats and make their way and they would give to the Lord they would be in obedience and they would give to the Lord their tithe and their offerings. Folks, I remember as a little boy sitting down right next to my mom and every single time that that song would play, I remember that she would, I would be sitting next to her, she would take out her checkbook, she would write out her tithe, put inside the envelope. And my little mom would just walk every time. And she would give to the Lord. And folks, she, she might have thought that I was not watching. Come on. But folks, every time she got up, listen, my eyes were on her. My eyes were on her. And folks, every single time she would give, she would impress the gospel in my heart. She would remind me that God is such an amazing God, that he's worthy of our obedience and our trust. And every time she gave, she would impress that into my heart. To the point that when I turned 15 years old, I got my first job as a bag boy in a supermarket. And I got my first bank account as well. I also got a little checkbook with a bank account. In The first week, I remember that she was there, and I. The song started playing. And I took off. I Took out the, my checkbook, and I wrote my tithe. And I put my little that in my little envelope. And when my mom got up to give to the Lord, guess what? I got up to give to the Lord as well. And I would, and I, and I gave. And so, folks, listen. Never underestimate. I have never understood the power of my mama, how she impressed the gospel into my heart. In fact, in this service, she's sitting right, right there. I just want to give her a And so, folks, never underestimate the power of how parents could impress the gospel into your heart. And so, folks, let me end with this. The reality is that we can do all these things, we can live the right life, we can teach God's word, but that doesn't mean that your child's heart will be transformed by the gospel. Here's why. Because it is only by the grace of God that your child's heart will be transformed. It's by the favor of God on your child. In fact, if you're taking notes, your last point for today, as an important point, a child's heart will only be transformed by God's grace. See, folks, we must always remember that, the, that, that, that heart transformation is not a work of parents. It is the work of the sovereign living God. Amen. He is the one that transforms. And so what we are called to do as parents is to obey what he's asking us to do and rest in the arms of our Father. You know, oftentimes we love our children so much that we want to be the ones that write out a testimony of our children, right? They're going to come to know Christ at this juncture, and they're going to get back to this age, and they're going to grow up this way. But we forget that we don't write out a testimony of our children. The Lord Almighty, He is the one that's writing the testimony of every single person. And so as parents, what we're called is to obey and to rest. Obey and rest. And to me, there's no better way of resting than by prayer, right? There's something that when you pray to your Heavenly Father, you just rest in His arms before Him. And so today I want to end the series called Imperfect Together with a time of prayer for our children. And normally, I would ask you to stay seated where you're at and pray right there. But today, we're going to do something a little different, a little more different, which may take a little courage from you at all campuses. In a few moments, not right now, but in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you're a parent and you feel like, I need to pray for my child, regardless of how old they are. I'm going to encourage you to a few moments to stand up at all campuses and make your way to the front of the stage. Get as close as you can. I know it gets a little crowded, but as close as you can, it's fine, it doesn't matter. But wherever you end up, I want you to kneel before God. See, there's, because the, the posture of kneeling is always one of surrender and rest. That's right. And there's something special that takes place when your physical posture matches your heart posture that your prayers to the Lord are just so much more special. And think about it, when was the last time you as a parent or you as a grandparent got down on your knees and prayed for your children? Some of us maybe have never done it. Maybe it's been a couple months, a couple years, maybe never. But what a special moment to be able to come before our Heavenly Father and rest and ask that they would work in our children's hearts. And so as you come up, listen, I want you to pray for two things. Thank the Lord for your child. He always wants us to come in Thanksgiving. And then pray for the heart. Pray for what you know is going on in their child's heart or your grandchild. It doesn't matter. But let this be a special moment where you rest in the arms of your heavenly father. And at the end of that moment of prayer, the music will be playing. your campus pastor will conclude you with a word of prayer. All right, family, so at all campuses, if you're a parent and you feel led to pray, go ahead and stand up right now wherever you're at, all campuses, and make your way, and let's kneel down before the Heavenly Father and rest. What a great message by Pastor Omar. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemmyorg connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.